Welcome to the Little Red Podcast, bringing you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway. I'm Graham Smith from the Australian National University's Department of Pacific Affairs, and I'm joined by my co-host Louisa Lin, former China correspondent for the BBC and NPR, now with the Centre for Advancing Journalism at Melbourne University, and currently a visiting fellow with the Journalism and Media Studies Centre at Hong Kong University. We're on air thanks to support from the Australian Centre on China in the World and the ANU's Department of Pacific Affairs. It's our second emergency podcast in a week, a new record for us. But this comes after a new record march in Hong Kong yesterday on Sunday. The organizers said two million people came out. That's just about a third of the population. The police figures, however, were much lower. This after the government had already promised to shelve unpopular extradition legislation. Hong Kong is now in uncharted territory, and we'll be asking if it's even governable anymore. We'll hear in a bit from legislator Alvin Young from the Civic Party and Cardinal Zen, an 87-year-old cardinal in the Catholic Church who's been extremely influential and vocal in campaigning against the law. So, Louisa, this huge protest comes after the government agreed to suspend the law.、Um, now, you were out yesterday. Why was the crowd still protesting? Because it seems, from an outsider's perspective, they got what they wanted, didn't they? Well, yes and no.、Um, they want this law completely withdrawn, not just suspended. So they felt that they still have to press ahead until they. Get every single thing they want, and I mean it was a gigantic crowd. Everybody was told to wear black, and you could just see this sort of sea of black that filled five main thoroughfares in in Hong Kong. They have some other demands as well. Last week on Wednesday there was a rally, and it was broken up by police very very violently. They used 150 rounds of tear gas. They used rubber bullets. They used these bean bags, and there were about 80 people that were injured. So the, the protesters want the issue of police brutality addressed, and they also、um, are very angry because that protest was designated a riot, a disturbance by the government. And they want that designation removed because there are all kinds of legal consequences for that. And they also are calling for the chief executive Carrie Lam to step down. So it was interesting、um, because this comes just a week after this other massive protest of a million people, but all kinds of people came out yesterday who hadn't come out last week, and.、Um, To give you an idea of the kind of mood, I spoke to one of the protesters. Well, actually, he spoke to me. He came to find me to give me an interview because he was so concerned that the outside world hear what was happening. As you can hear, I mean, he was angry enough to want to speak, but he was also too scared to give me his real name. Cruel law for us. That's why I need to stand up here in order to support all the Hong Kong people. I hope that you can send the message or send any kinds of videos to the foreign、uh, press in order to transmit the very, very,、um, very, very、uh, cruel laws about Hong Kong.、And、I would like to let all the people know that Hong Kong is in very dangerous situation. But it's—I mean—the government already said they would suspend the law. Yet there's more people this week than last time. Why do you think even more people came out this time? Well, actually, I think the government. Do you believe that the government would like to stop any kinds of 
laws in the future, no one can sure that what the government would like to do for the next step. That's why we need to stand up here. If the government would like to pay attention to listen to all the people, all the views from the people, actually, I think no one would like to stand up here. Actually, we love China and then we love Hong Kong. But why should we stand up here today? That's why we can't see the clear law in order to protect the Hong Kong. And that's why we do not know more about the future. So I hope that all people. But so a week ago, nobody was scared of having their photos taken. What has happened in the last week? Uh, actually, I didn't stand up here uh, on the streets. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything, but I think it's a very dangerous situation. So that's why I think most of the people would like to stand up here. So and last week you didn't come. I didn't come, but I uh, come here this week. This is the first time you've marched. Yes, my first time. I think most of the people, uh, most of the people, stand up here, and then this is the first time for them to come. That was a protester who calls himself Freedom. And I also spoke to um, some women, uh, older women, who are protesting. And, you know, it's been really interesting as well. One group that has mobilized has been mothers. And there was this rally of 6,000 mothers uh, late last week who came out at night and they uh, accused uh, Carrie Lam of being unfit to be to be the leader. So, you know, when you've lost the mothers, that that's something, you know, that's new levels of unpopularity. <laughs> they, they seem to have lost everyone, and they've lost everyone from the uh, the evangelicals to the uh, people that run porn websites. So I think, um, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone left to lose. Yeah, they've lost everyone and literally their mothers as well. Um, anyway, I spoke to some mothers, and uh, you'll hear from them here. How do you feel this week is different from last week? Well, I think... People are more enthusiastic than last week. This is how I feel. More enthusiastic. More people should come out. And do you think it's st- is it still about the law or is it about China now? Is it bigger? Mm, to me, it's not. It's about how they treat the children during um, what uh, last Monday, and how uh, we don't think they treat the children right. Not the teenagers. We, I don't think they treat them right. I don't think it was a riot. I don't think they are, what did they call them? Rioters. Yeah, I don't think this. So I think they should be more fair in describing what happened. The government didn't do it right. The police used excessive force on children. And that's how I feel. So will you keep on coming out? Yes, 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 I will. And you? Yes. As long as you have the strength. Yes. <laughs> until, until, to me, it's until they, they, they how to say that in English? Until they, they, they don't call it a riot, until they give justice to the children, until they really they treat them. Treated. Yeah, until the kids are fairly treated. And so, I mean, you were out there. What was the mood like on the streets? Well, it was really interesting, despite being such a massive crowd, it was just this extraordinarily civilised crowd and very, very well organised as well. Um, The mood, though, was 
in some ways it was quite sad because um, there was one protester who died in the act of protest. He fell from a building and so this was also a kind of like a funeral march for him. And lots of people bought white flowers. And even when you know when you were walking down the street, people were pressing white flowers in our hands. They were giving free water. They'd give us water bottles and they'd fill them up when they were um, when, when we drunk them. You know, people were spritzing our faces. People were fanning us. People were taking away the bottles and recycling them. So it was a very very organised crowd. And despite the fact that there were so many people on the streets, even past midnight, they were occupying some lanes that had been occupied during um, Occupy Central in 2014. And, you know, they were occupied by thousands of people uh, in the early hours of the morning. But this morning, all those people actually uh, negotiated with police and withdrew. So it was a very... um, It was a very interesting, very kind of civilised kind of protest. Yeah, no, I, I saw footage of um, the, the protesters making way for an ambulance. It was just seemed incredibly orderly. Yeah, everyone was talking about that, it, it, like the Red Sea parting. <laughs> I mean, it was almost like geometrically straight lines. I mean, one thing that strikes me, because Hong Kong is such a civilised and polite place, um, how much of people's anger stems from the, if you like, uncouth behaviour of their own government and their own police force? Oh, a lot of it. People are just maddened by the fact that uh, the police were so brutal. And then uh, even though Carrie Lam, the chief executive, withdrew the legislation, she didn't apologise for the police brutality. And there's this real feeling that she she absolutely should apologise for that. Um, after the march, she did issue an apology, but it really wasn't enough for people. Louise, we saw two million people on the streets. I mean, that's equivalent to over six million people protesting in Australia or close to 100 million people coming out in the United States. And is this a turning point for the Territory? I mean, that's the really big question. It's clearly a threat to Beijing and to the government of Carrie Lam. But the question really is, what next? Can anyone, I mean, not just Carrie Lam, but anyone else, can they govern with this kind of threat hanging over them? Um, I spoke to one member of the legislature, Alvin Yearn, who's a barrister, and he's a member of the Civic Party, which is part of the pro-democracy faction. And I started by asking him whether the announcement that the bill would be suspended would be enough for him. And he was unequivocal with his answer. Playing word games or playing all these language games is not something we expecting. We need a clear and unequivocal uh, signal from the chief executive that we do not want the bill. So please scrap it. Please withdraw it for once and for all. Two million people on the streets has managed to do something that the legislators, you in the legislature, have not managed to do. Does that make you feel impotent? We have to go back to the system. We have to understand that under the Hong Kong system, under the well-designed system by the communists, uh, they willfully uh, make this legislature a almost a lame duck in the sense that when the Democrats, when we enjoy a majority in, in popular votes, that do not transfer into seats 
here at the legislature. In fact, we are in the minority. So we have to understand that it is by design, it is a matter of structural issue. So when we in the legislature, when we cannot defend the values of the Hong Kong people, we have to ask the people to help us. And so the people answer to our calls. That is why they talk to the street, you know, within seven days, over millions of people talk to the street. But I mean, politics, leaving the legislature and taking to the streets is a dangerous game, isn't it? It's not ideal. It's not perfect. And in fact, in an ideal world, the chief executive would have resigned a week ago. The, the two million people march would not have happened in a in a real genuine democracy. So let's not forget Hong Kong is not a real democracy. We have elections, but those elections cannot be fully reflected in the sittings of the legislature. And not to mention the chief executive is not elected by the people. So this is a rather you may say unique system that sometimes we have to refer to the people and rely on the people's power. But I mean, where does that leave you? Because over the last few days, you and some of the other legislators have really played a kind of mediator role, standing literally between the people and the police and kind of begging the police to back off. Surely that's not really what you're meant to be doing. Well, certainly I did not sign up for that. But uh, as a barrister, Usually we would be defending cases or questioning police abuse of powers in court, not on the street. But again, we are now living in a very interesting uh, times um, that when people talk to the street, when people are trying to answer or trying to defend the values directly, then we uh, legislators, we have a role to play. We have to make sure that our young men and women, they will not be hurt by this uh, uh, sometimes out of control police. Um, this is one of the few things that we can do for young people. Um, yes, it, it was it's not part of the job, but come on, we are the representatives of the people. We have a duty to make sure that they would not get hurt. But you are not able to actually represent the people, are you, in the way that the legislature itself is formed, that you're always going to be in a minority. So there's, a, there's such a limit on your abilities to represent the people. I agree. And I have to confess that uh, by system, by design, um, even though we enjoy a majority in the popular votes, we are minority here at the legislature. But again, if this is the game if this is the rule, then we try to see how far we can get. There's no guarantee that we can success every time. No way. But we try. Um, the last success was probably 16 years ago. and That's Article 23. Yes, that's the national security uh, legislation. Um, so we have to rely on the people, and we trust our Hong Kong people. When it comes to the critical moment, they would come out and they would take up the responsibility with us. So uh, again, this is not a perfect world. This is not a perfect thing to see, but uh, well, it happened. But is this setting a pattern now? Every time some controversial piece of legislation comes around, people take to the streets, and every time the violence escalates a little more? I wish that would not be the case. I, I can only wish that Hong Kong government and Beijing 
would understand that this is not the right way to go. They have to give us democracy. They have to implement constitutional reform so that people's voices can be fully and truly reflected in the legislature and also in the executive branch. I mean, there's no sign of that happening, is there? Well, unfortunately, it seems quite far-fetched to expect a uh, democracy, democratic system to be implemented in Hong Kong. But again, I would... I, I think any sensible person sitting in Beijing would understand that, hey, after 22 years uh, since the handover, they have tried a few number of methods to govern Hong Kong. They have tried a an entrepreneur, that's our first chief executive, which was a failure. They had uh, a senior uh, civil servant, uh, second and this uh, chief executive, and they had a uh, widely expected uh, a communist, C.Y. Lam, who was a surveyor, uh, uh, and he was a disaster, and now we have Kerry Lam, who's even worse. Then what is left on, on, on the table? I would say the only option is democracy. Um, China and Beijing picked up the fact that Hong Kong people, we are not asking for the moon here. We are not asking for something that we never deserve. We're simply asking for something that is clearly written in the basic law that should be a promise. And if they have the wisdom, then we could have enjoyed democracy. So do you think these protests about the extradition law are going to expand into protests for more democracy and for other things? Or is it just about this one issue? Oh, there are many issues arise from this very extradition movement um, or anti-extradition movement. Um, we see a widely spread of abuse of powers by the police. This is something that we have to tackle. Uh, we see no account- accountability in the executive branch. Uh, the chief executive and the security uh, secretary and the justice secretary, they should be supposed they were supposed to be responsible for all this mess, but now no one's going to clean it up. So we have to find someone to be accountable for. So, and of course, there are other issues like a number of youngsters being arrested for on riots, and we have to make sure that they would not be charged. They, we have to see how what what can be done in that regard. These are the more immediate issues that we have to deal with. But of course, everything leads to the system, and. Um, I am confident that Hong Kong people are now fully aware that, hey, if you do not have a proper check and balance uh, 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 system, then there's no way our values can be defended. I mean, you talk about defending Hong Kong values, but in many ways, Hong Kong values are directly in opposition to Beijing's values, you know, universal values, uh, freedoms of speech, expression, ex- assembly, academic thought. None of, you know, these, some, most of these are the seven unmentionables, the qi jiang. How can you, I mean, these two systems seem fundamentally in- incompatible, these two sets of values. How can Hong Kong be governed by Beijing in those circumstances? Given the popular voice on the streets, doesn't that make Hong Kong ungovernable? Well, it's up to Beijing now. Um, the ball is now in Beijing's court. Um, Hong Kong is one and the only international financial center uh, within the People's Republic of China. And in fact, 
this is one of the few international financial centers of the world. Over the past 20 odd years since the handover, Hong Kong has served a good, uh, has been serving China well. We are still the major, largest source of foreign direct investment to China. Uh, we are one of the best tr uh, trading partners with China. If China wishes to maintain Hong Kong's special and unique identity, and so that they could also benefit from that, then they have to think twice before they take the next move. As I mentioned a bit earlier, they have tried 20 odd years. They have ex experimented and failed a number of ways. And so what is left on the table? But finally, it, it occurs to me that also you've now raised the expectations of two million Hong Kong people who see what can be done when they act together in, in unison. And there's a lot of young people out there who are extremely angry. Is there a danger that if there is no compromise, this then creates an, a leaderless resistance, a network le leaderless resistance, which is uh, of young people that an entire generation is completely alienated? I would say we, we have to have faith in our young people. Um, if I refer to the two over a million people marches, which took place on uh, the 9th and uh, the 16th of June, no single window was broken. Nothing, we, 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 no report of any criminal damage, no report of any sort of violence uh, as far as the march is concerned. So hey, if, if we believe in our, our people, the young ones or the not so young ones, we are all rational, and they are. They speak sense. They speak for reasons, and so if you believe in the younger generation, you would know that they know how far they could go. Um, say, at the moment, uh, while we are having this interview, this very morning, uh, a group of youngsters, they were occupying a major road next to the government headquarters. But shortly, like within hours, they had their internal discussions. They um, came to a resolution that they have to return the, the major roads to the people so that Hong Kong people would not start, you know, shift the focus and start blaming them for doing something that they all agree with. I would say, look, these youngsters, the millennials, most of them, they know what they're doing. And so be confident in them. That was Alvin Jung of the Civic Party. I mean, Louis, this is quite something. He's made a call for Beijing after backing a string of failed leaders from Tung Chi Hua, who, who looked permanently confused, um, to now Carrie Lam, who before she took office seemed unable to use the MTR or even to know where to buy toilet paper. I mean, he's actually asking them to do themselves a favour, stop backing these duds and give democracy to the people. But is Alvin Jung alone in making this call? No, he's not. I mean, this, these protests started off as very targeted protests against this one extradition law. But I think they're expanding now. People are beginning to make other de demands. Um, and as he says, right now, the ball's in the government's court. Everybody is pretty much in wait-and-see mode to see how they're going to respond next. 
But one thing that I think has been really interesting is the role of religion in all of this. Um, It's really noticeable that religion has played a really major part in these protests. Um, And the most obvious way that we see this is in the anthems. Back in 2014, during the Umbrella Movement, uh, the movement's anthems were all popular songs. One was by this canto-pop group called Beyond, and the other was Do You Hear the People Sing, uh, a Cantonese version, but from Les Miserables. Um, This time, though, the song of the movement has been Sing Hallelujah to the Lord, a religious song. And, you know, it's a total earworm. It's absolutely everywhere. There have been these Christian groups who've been standing outside the legislature and just singing this nonstop for days and days and days. They're singing this song. It's obviously, it's not the Jeff Buckley version of the song. Um, I mean, does it sort of feel like a, you know, a a sort of, has it got a completely different feeling to the Umbrella Movement crowd? I mean, I think it does. It's actually really interesting how I think it has changed the dynamic because uh, they'll use it really tactically to diffuse uh, these confrontational moments. Um, You know, sometimes you'll see a row of protesters standing right in front of the police singing, um, sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sometimes, occasionally, they'll sing other, other songs like Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And, you know, everyone is really quite pleased because we're all so tired of hearing sing hallelujah to the Lord. <laughs> I mean, you know, I literally hear it in my sleep now. And um, actually, my favorite sign in the whole thing, someone was carrying a a sign about police brutality, which actually said, stop using batons or we sing hallelujah to the Lord. (laughs) So it can even be a threat. Um, But, you know, behind that, there is the, the point that the churches have been very, very active. Um... Pastors and priests have been preaching political messages. Both the Catholic and various Protestant uh, denominations have issued statements calling for withdrawal to the bill. Um, On Wednesday night when there was violence, uh, the churches opened up their doors and offered sanctuary to the protesters. So there has been a very visible role played by religious leaders this this time round. And perhaps the most visible leader of all of them is Cardinal Joseph Zen. He's 87 years old, but he's instantly recognizable because he has this kind of snowy white hair. And he has a long um, storied reputation of political activism. And he has been very critical of Beijing and also very critical of the Vatican's recent rapprochement with China. Um, He's also been critical of those loyal to the Vatican, like the current Catholic Cardinal of Hong Kong, John Tong. Um, But even though he's 87 years old, and even though it was just stinking hot yesterday, uh, he was out there on the stage, uh, standing next to Nathan Loy, a younger leader who emerged during the Umbrella Movement when he was a student and shaking hands and talking to the crowd. So today I went to visit him uh, and I asked Cardinal Joseph Zen why he thought the extradition law had become such a big issue. Because it's a, 
it's a really a terrible and a threatening thing which they are proposing. Because this uh, so-called so amendment of the uh, extradition law uh, is something uh, terrible because it means that the Chinese government any moment can demand that somebody be extradited to China. They don't need to, to give a real evidence uh, because any uh, uh, prima facie, uh, I mean the, the, the apparent evidence is enough. So they, 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 are, they are masters in uh, inventing uh, evidences and then the government can do nothing uh, to deny, uh, to, to hand, uh, to, to, hand to, to them the, the, the suspect persons. But Carrie Lam already said that she would suspend the bill. Is that no, that's, but in this moment, anything she ta- says is ridiculous, simply ridiculous. We can't believe anymore. And she thinks he's so intelligent, huh? so very quick to come out to, to, to say silly things. Only, only uh, uh, increased the, the, the anger in her heart because uh, she is a real dishonest, dishonest and stupid now. He thinks he is very intelligent. He may be intelligent enough, but now in, in this situation, he has lost his, his mind. So are you out there as a Hong Kong person or as a, as a Catholic, as a cardinal? No, as a Hong Kong person. <laughs> uh, and uh, 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 I think we Catholics are, are no different from others. Maybe we have uh, uh, some more uh, worries because, uh, uh, you know, many of, uh, of our people are going to, to China to help uh, both the underground and above ground. Uh, and many of those things are illegal. Illegal, because uh, you cannot do it legally, because uh, they don't allow to do that. Eh? So you cannot ask for permission, because uh, it will never be given. And so uh, those people who go there uh, to, uh, to lead some uh, uh, retreat, for example, uh, to priests, to sisters, to faithful, or to run some uh, 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 seminar, uh, they have to, to, to go underground and, uh, and then uh, uh, never appear in the public and then when they finish they try to, to escape. Huh? Uh, uh, but uh, the government is, is, is uh, uh, in possession of so many uh, informations. Huh? So these people, uh, when, uh, when they want to, to, to have them, they just have to say, we have evidence that he had done this and that uh, illegal things, and they can arrest us. And, and do you know in China there is no justice. Do you think the calculus has changed under Xi Jinping when we're seeing this campaign against churches? Does that change the way that you approach the Chinese government? No, there is no real change. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's a continuous thing. Uh, in this moment, uh, as, at least for Catholics, I'm very sorry to say that uh, the Vatican has helped them a lot to persecute our church. They have surrendered everything. Uh, so this, this is new. Uh, for example, uh, they take away the churches of the underground. Uh, they, uh, they don't allow the underground priests to say mass for the faithful. Uh, these are no new laws. 
these are laws uh, exist always, uh, but they did not enforce for a long time. Uh, why? Because they cannot and they need not. Uh, because those people are peaceful. They just need a church to pray, and they are good citizens. In, 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 a, in a village, in a town where they are the majority, you have people working hard, you have a perfect uh, social order, uh, and so the local officials find no reason to, to persecute them. Uh, but now the order from the center, and because they are encouraged by the Vatican. Uh, and so now uh, uh, they enforce those, those laws, uh, and terrible. And also for the, for the, the above-ground church, uh, now those under eight, 18 years can no more go to the church, can no more take part in uh, religious activities. And this is not a new law. This is a law exists uh, since the very beginning. Huh? So uh, we are not uh, uh, having new laws, but uh, uh, new pressure, uh, uh, new persecution, new wave of persecution. Yeah. I mean, in Hong Kong, Hallelujah has become a protest anthem. How do you think that has changed the dynamic of the protests, hearing this Christian song being sung you know, all the time. Uh, this uh, this song uh, uh, happens to be a song known to both the Catholics and Protestants. Huh? So it's very convenient to, to <laughs> sing that. Huh? And uh, because there are not many songs uh, we use uh, uh, on both sides, and uh, there are songs we use, but they are very complicated. This is the one simple one. Huh? So it's okay. But... Uh, uh, I am uh, uh, very happy uh, that uh, uh, in, in this moment the Christian uh, uh, religions are uh, uh, more present than, uh, than before uh, in other occasions. Yeah. But it seems to me that the use of this song is really important, that it's being used to diffuse tensions and that protesters are using it very effectively. <laughs> Oh yes, I, I think so. Yeah, but uh, there, there have been so many uh, uh, activities uh, uh, of prayer. Uh, we always have a, a prayer meeting organized both by by the Catholic and Protestants uh, before uh, every uh, uh, March, uh, and uh, even yesterday, uh, uh, the last Sunday. Uh, 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 this has become already a, 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 a normal uh, procedure that before going to the to the rally we we, we have a, a prayer meeting. But uh, near the government house, uh, uh, during the umbrella movement, uh, we had a, a continuous uh, prayer by a Catholic uh, group. But these days, I think it's a Protestant group. Huh? They are doing wonderfully, and they are praying all the time there. Huh? And so uh, I think we are uh, 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 taking part actively. But then I hope you, you can agree that uh, uh, all this atmosphere, um, I think this miracle huh, of uh, such a huge uh, rally without any violence, uh, and and I think this is uh, the fruit of the education 
for so many years, uh, uh, because uh, uh, the the Catholic Church and also the Protestant, uh, uh, we are uh, very strong in education, and so uh, I think many people in the society uh, they may not be Catholic, may not be Christian, but uh, they have uh, studied in the in the, our schools because we uh, run many schools and. Uh, uh, we Catholics, we run 300 schools. Uh, we have 25% uh, uh, of the school population in the primary and secondary school. Uh, and so many people pass through our schools. And uh, today, many uh, influential people in society, uh, they are uh, past people of, of our schools. Uh, and so uh, I think uh, we, we, we were uh, influential on, on this uh, uh, wonderful behavior of people even during such a, a rally. Uh, even when we are full of uh, anger, we can steer to things peacefully. It seems to me that the role of the churches, both Catholic and Protestant, is much more prominent this time compared to 2014. I mean, we've seen preaching from priests, both Catholic and Protestant. We've seen dioceses issuing statements urging the government to withdraw the bill. We've seen churches opening their doors to give sanctuary to protesters. Why is it different this time round? Because I think uh, uh, the, the professionals in the, in, in the, in the law uh, subject, they have come out to explain to us how dangerous uh, this uh, a proposed uh, uh, amendment, uh, and so uh, we came out just like before. Uh, and I'm sorry to say that uh, the official uh, statement by the so-called dioceses are not good enough, because uh, Cardinal Tong tried to use very neutral terms. Uh, Say, oh, there are uh, uh, worries in the city, uh, there are divisions in the city, but he doesn't take sight. <laughs> he doesn't say take sight, huh? uh, so not good enough. People need to know where is uh, uh, the truth, uh, where is the lies. Huh? And so I really uh, am worried because uh, now we are waiting for the next bishop. Huh? And uh, 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 by by the the one country two systems uh, we we uh, we should uh, have uh, freedom the church uh, to to appoint the bishops uh? but it seems now uh, they uh, people uh, expect that uh, they are going to do things just uh, like uh, uh, what maybe in that uh, secret agreement with China uh? so. Uh, maybe the government uh, has has a right to 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 intervene in the in the nomination of bishops. Huh? That's terrible. And we will not accept that. Huh? We 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 understand that uh, there is no common stand among the Protestants because there are so many denominations. Huh? But uh, we Catholics should have one stand. But unfortunately, no. Everybody know that. Uh, I myself and my successor, Cardinal uh, Tong, we are on different side. Very clear, uh, both for what happened in Hong Kong and what happens for the church in China.
Uh, he is fully supporting the Vatican. I'm saying that they are selling our church in China. I come out to blame the Vatican, but I'm not blaming the Holy Father because I, I think he is really not well informed. Oh, really sad. And uh, uh, but then uh, I, I write so many letters to him, uh, and uh, uh, then at a certain moment I, I doubt if he received my letters, uh, and uh, so I had to go to Rome to hand the letter into his hands uh, twice la last year, in January and in October. Uh, and now I don't know what to do. Uh, maybe I have to to write public public letters. Uh, and so maybe somebody can can bring to him. Yeah. When it comes to the situation in Hong Kong, though, do you think that yesterday's march, um, Sunday's march, has changed things in that it seems that the only way for people to get involved in politics is to take to the streets now? I mean, the legislature cannot really function. Yeah, it's the only thing we can do, huh? uh, to walk peacefully. Huh? and. Uh, <laughs> to to sweat, huh? and, uh, and and they, they don't listen. They don't listen, so they invite violence, and we are against violence, huh? and so it's it's a a a a, 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 a real fight, huh? between the good and evil. Yeah. But what does it mean going forward? Does it mean that Hong Kong politics is going to move onto the street? We don't know what is going to happen, but what what is happening is simply incredible. Where you can have a, a, a march uh, of one million people uh, in a city of seven million, uh, uh, where you can have two million people walk, walking, uh, marching, and they still don't take back that proposal. So the 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 the, 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 the announcement the last uh, the, the the previous Sunday uh, uh, immediately after. Uh, the, the march is, is silly. And so uh, the young people uh, try to, uh, to, to stop that proceeding uh, because we really have to thank those young people because otherwise they start the, the session in the Legislative Council and maybe by, by now they, they are near the, 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 the voting, which is uh, only a farce because they have the majority in the Legislative Council. Uh, and, uh, uh, we are really too patient. We we support so many things. We uh, we are pretending that there is still a rule of law, huh? and so they can condemn so many people to prison, heavy sentences, and they can uh, disqualify legislators elected uh, uh, with uh, uh, hundreds of, of thousands of votes, huh? uh, and uh, we, we we don't know what to do, uh, but. Until the moment they, they provoke us uh, to come out to walk, uh, and then people can say how many we are. Uh, and so uh, we don't know what is going to happen. They are silly. They are inviting violence. But we really hate violence. If the government completely withdraws the bill, would that be enough for you at this point? For the moment, yeah. But uh, now we can see that the problem is uh, huge. It's not only that uh, legislation. Uh, that's the, the thing which uh, guarded all the, our anger because many things happened before. So now we can see more that this government is evil and this uh, 
chief executive is Iwa. So I think they, they have no right and they have no possibility to rule the city anymore. I think anything they do now, we are coming out. With this new legislation, we would not even have freedom of speech. This is the only thing that remains. Huh? And so I, I don't think uh, we stop here. Huh? So you want her to stand down? Oh, she, uh, even more than that. We want, want her to stand, stand down, but then uh, uh, we hope that uh, the central government may understand that they must put somebody uh, in whom the city trusts. Otherwise, it's just the same thing. The, the, the root is because uh, the chief executive is of their choice, not our choice. Uh, unless they really want uh, uh, to destroy uh, this city, uh, they must uh, adopt some uh, uh, compromise. Huh? Because they, they must understand that they, the things cannot go on like before. That was 87-year-old Cardinal Joseph Zen of the Catholic Church. I mean, listening to the Cardinal's words, it's extraordinary to hear someone so influential saying, we've been too patient. Um, we've been pretending there's a rule of law and things can't stay the same. So, I mean, Hong Kong people seem to have lost all trust in the institutions of government, the police, the legislature, uh, the mainstream media, where we've even had journalists coming out and condemning their own newspaper's editorial line. Uh, Is Hong Kong effectively becoming ungovernable? I mean, I think that is a serious danger now. Uh, It's not become ungovernable overnight. This has been a, a long process of deterioration in ties. And I think after the umbrella movement, uh, it, you know, things really began to accelerate uh, on that front. Um, what I think the last few days has also done is, has shown us the real problems with the one country, two systems model. It was already all already creaking it was already uh, failing but now we're seeing these kind of massive gulfs opening up between uh, the rulers and the ruled and really nothing to plug those gaps at all and I mean the chief executive herself Carrie Lam is in an untenable position but it's an impossible position. You know, could anybody do any better when Beijing's demands are so, you know, they're p- polar opposites from what the people of Hong Kong want. It's a very, very difficult situation now, and it'll be really hard to see how to move forward effectively. So today, in, in rather extraordinary timing, we saw Joshua Wong, the co-founder of Demazisto and one of the real leaders of the Umbrella Movement, released from prison. And this timing seems extraordinary. Um, but is there a chance that this is turning him into, or a possibility that he will become one of the leaders of what up until now has been a leaderless movement? It's really hard to tell um, what role he now feels like he should play. Um, interestingly, when he was still in prison, people were saying, well, look, this shows that Hong Kong doesn't need Joshua Wong to have such massive marches. We can do it without Joshua Wong. Um, But now he's out, and he's also uh, out at a moment where people have lost faith in the institutions. And, of course, Joshua Wong 
is not able to serve in the legislature because he's been in prison, he's been um, excluded from the formal political process, um, like Cardinal Zen as well. So it'll be really interesting to see whether these figures who play no part in the formal process begin, uh, what kind of role they they come forward to play. Um, when he was released, he made statements and he, you know, he said that he wanted Carrie Lam to resign now. He did not see why she hadn't. He called for the police to stop arresting and charging people. He did say that Hong Kong people will not bow down to an authoritarian force. But I think for Beijing, this is deeply worrying because, of course, the they're having to censor all the news about uh, these protests because their biggest fear, of course, must be that across the border, uh, people in China proper are looking at Hong Kong and they're realizing that protest and radical action does get results. And that is something that terrifies Beijing. Louisa, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Graham. (laughs) You've been listening to the Little Red Podcast, bringing you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and leave us a nice review somewhere. Our editor was Michael Green. Background music is by Susie Wilkins, and our cartoons and gifts are courtesy of Seb Danter. Bye for now.